You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters and Craig Morgan, as always. And we're going to take a look around the NHL as we do every week. And there's one story that is kind of dominating the, the airwaves right now, if you will. And that is the story of Mitchell Miller and the Boston Bruins. So I'm going to hand it over to Craig. All right. And I will quickly hand this one over to Kevin Paul DuPont, who joins us, longtime writer and reporter for the Boston Globe. Kevin, you are, I don't know if it's the eye of the storm or if you're getting hammered with it right now, but let's just start with this. How did the Bruins botched this so badly? I suppose the easiest answer to that is they didn't do their homework and they didn't, they didn't vet the story out as much as they wanted. So now that said, that's, that's where the story stands as we speak at this hour. Uh, And even that may be somewhat of a ruse in that today, Cam Neely early this morning, Cam Neely essentially threw himself on the, on the court of public opinion here and tried to explain why last night at nine o'clock, less than 72 hours after they had signed uh, the player, they decided to go and, and, uh, and let him go. So no more Mitchell Miller uh, and lots of egg on their face. Now it could very well be that they thought they had it vetted well enough. They still think they had it vetted well enough. And it was just that court of public opinion that in the end they couldn't, they couldn't withstand the weight of it. There were a lot of angry people in the fan base. It's a very engaged, very smart, 100-year-old fan base, or 99 years old. Uh, and they're not to be, I'm not going to say even hoodwinked, because I don't think it's that. I think it's just that they're not going to suffer what they someone feel, what they believe is a fool. Uh, and... I know there's a there's there's lots of room in here for discussion about the original reporting, where the player was, who apologized, who didn't, who could, who couldn't, all of that. But in the end, public opinion is this is a bad guy, Mitchell Miller. They didn't want him on the team. They had people calling up, say, threatening to uh, to turn in their season tickets. And in the end, I think they asked themselves, is this player worth the fight? To me, that was the question to be asking up front. Uh, I I don't think, if from everything I know about the player, 
he doesn't have the kind of profile that you would want to go into this risk reward equation. On the same hand, if it's as heinous as all of this is made been out to be, Mitchell Miller's behavior, maybe no player is worth that. Yeah. Did they not see the court of public opinion reacting this way? They had previous examples from when the Coyotes drafted him. Clearly, the Arizona fan base is not the, the Bruins fan base, but this was a national story, an international story. How did they not see this coming? I, I think some of that is hubris, Craig. I think it is also, and, and I've, I've seen this, you know, I've covered this league now for over 40 years. It's, it's hubris anyway, but it's also the building's full. You can do almost anything you want. I mean, as, as we've seen, not just in the U.S. markets, but in the Canadian markets too. Uh, perfect example, the Maple Leafs. <laughs> they, they have fed that fan base, you know, at best chop sirloin at, at, uh, at high premium stake prices for decades. And all they do is fill the building. The only thing that really changes the dynamic, the business dynamic, and the, if you will, the intellectual dynamic, the moral dynamic, is when the seats are empty, when people walk. That, that's when they get afraid. Because these businesses, whether they're TV stations, radio stations, sports teams, leagues, newspapers, where I've spent my whole life, they're in the business for one reason, to profit, to make money, to sustain the business. When that's threatened, the dynamics change. They'll, they'll start to come around. I, so I think it, it's it, it, none of this discussion can we boil ta- down to saying it's as easy as this because it's extremely complicated, <laughs> as you well know. I'm preaching to the choir to a degree. But ultimately, I think the weight of the uh, ire, the anger, the disillusionment, not only among the fan base too, but I was in Toronto on the weekend. The Bruins played there on Saturday night. I went around the room to the players they made available which was only three, and they were they were prominent players. They were Marchand, uh, Bergeron, Foligno. Uh, they expressed their disillusionment over this. Uh, not only did they express it, they made clear that they had expressed it before the signing. Hmm. So that that was telltale as well. Yeah, and we saw the commissioner's comments as well. So it's odd that how are you not how are you not adding that into the equation? The opinions of your leaders and the the opinion of the commissioner of the NHL. Yeah, it, it's all of that, and and ultimately what Neely underscored today that made up his he says made up his mind, and I'm not doubting him, but again, there's so many factors in this. He said what made up his mind is they had failed as a, as a, as a company, uh, the Boston Bruins had failed to contact the player or the player's family. Now this is the victim, uh, Isaiah. Um, it, now, interestingly enough, when he said it. They had yet to contact Isaiah or Isaiah's mom. So before I got before the public opinion again and on stage and, and did this Maya culpa, I, I would have gotten that in place. So there, there's another. Add that to the list of faux pas, along with the fact that it was nearly alone on the stage. To me, this is so egregious and was treated as such and the reaction was such. I think ownership should have been at the table, too, and not just the team president. It was, hmm. it was remarkable in that there was – no representation from the Jacobs family that owns the team and the general manager, Don Sweeney, who, who was the guy who put it out in a zoom session, hurriedly third Friday afternoful Neely was not, uh, I'm sorry, Sweeney was not there either. So it was, 
just Neely. Clearly, all the buttons hadn't been buttoned, and it's and and I think this is going to go for a little while longer. For okay, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. It's easy to say, okay, case closed now. A couple of years later, the commissioner is saying what he's saying, and it's clear that opinions haven't changed. But uh, another aspect of this is the NHLPA. What is their stance by your understanding at this point? The latest I know from the PA is that uh, <laughs> there's, there's been quite a bit of talk that they will file a grievance on Miller's part. Uh, of course, that's interesting because I can't believe at this point he has paid a penny of union dues. Huh, but yeah. once you've executed the contract, I suppose technically, and he has done that. Uh, the team said it was it was uh, a lack of it's. I'm not going to say approved. It was registered. So the contract was registered. That means you're a member of the PA. That means you should be represented. And if they if they want to take it to a grievance, they can. I'm sure they will. Uh, it remains a question. The, the contract called for a little more than a guarantee of 530000 over three years with minor league salary and the rest of it. Um, and I think the gross value of the contract is around $2.8 million. So th- there'd be some question here with whether he would see a penny of the five hundred and thirty. I would think they'd be of the mind right now, guys. Pay him the five thirty in cash and get rid of it. Just get rid of it. That, that's, that would be my reaction. Of course, I'm not a billionaire with a team. So, two more questions, Kevin. We'll let you go, and I'll I'll uh, go off on my own rant, which you alluded to earlier. Uh, what are the residuals of this for the organization, in your opinion? What do you, What do you expect? I know that's hard to speculate, but what do you think the residuals will be? You're thinking residual in terms of fan base reaction and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think it will be fairly easy uh, for them to distance themselves and get the stink off because. The player was never here. There, there, there isn't a single Bruins fan who could pick the guy out if he walked down Causeway Street for good reason. I mean, he was he was signed Friday. He was he was assigned to Providence AHL and and never put on a Bruins jersey. So I don't think it's that lasting in that sense. But it's it's a fan base with a very long memory. One of the one of the constant constant re- refrains from the fandom is how they botched the 2015 draft with three consecutive first round picks. And, and missed out on some prime talent that other teams didn't miss out. So that that goes on. And it, it goes back to Bobby Orr not signing as, you know, walking as a free agent in the late 70s. So, again, engaged, in, in some cases vindictive, unforgiving. We know that those people exist in every fan base. But uh, I my, my feeling is uh, not to say it's just a, a sneeze and a hurricane, but I, I don't think it'll be as devastating or as lasting as some people are making it out to be at the moment. Last question for you, and I don't know if you can answer this. Um, is the Globe looking further into this story? Uh, I'm sure it will. I, I do know. I can tell you this. They're, 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 uh, we, uh, the bosses are assessing it now in terms of how far to go with it. I think it, it, I, I, I do know that if it was still under contract, per se, if they hadn't distanced themselves within f- 52 or 58 hours, yes, absolutely. Uh, then it becomes a question of how many. And I'm not the boss. <laughs> Clearly, uh, it becomes the issue of how much money do you want to attach to this? How much manpower do you want to put on it? Uh, I would say right now I, I, I would be inclined to go after it a little bit. And especially connect with the victim and the victim's family because yep. everyone's making them out to be uh, 
victimized again. And I think you can make that case quite easily. But, you know, it's, 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 it can be a whole different story when you actually get, get the subject in front of you and give the subject questions and go into detail and find out what the answers are. Sometimes it isn't as egregious as, as it's being made out to be. All right, Kevin, I know you are busy. Thank you so much for joining us for a little while and providing some insight as to what's happening there in Boston. Anytime, folks. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Craig, I know you have some more thoughts on this. So yeah, I'm going to let you yeah, give sorry. them yeah. now sorry. before we move I on. I just uh, I didn't know if you wanted to go into an ad read before. No, we'll, let, we'll, let, we'll wrap this time. whole yeah. thing up and then move on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's be clear. The only victim in this story is Isaiah Myers Crothers. Um, I know there's a lot of takes out there. Mitchell Miller's life has been ruined. No, it's not. He can still pursue other professions. He could probably play in other leagues like Russia, for instance, if he wants, although clearly not ideal to play in the KHL these days. Um, if he ever makes it back to the NHL on top of that, I think he should probably have some sort of community service clause in his contract for the entirety of his stay in the NHL. You don't simply get to move on from an act of this nature. It's too big. And the idea that he was only 14 at the time only goes so far. Most 14 year olds know I knew you guys knew that you don't engage in this sort of horrific behavior. It was a blatantly racist act of bullying and it should be viewed as such. Let's not sugarcoat this in any way. I don't have any interest in defending Mitchell Miller's actions. But I do have interest in the perversion of truth, and that's where this story gets really murky after the incident that landed Miller in court. Sorry to get on my soapbox, guys, here. You've probably heard it from me before, but the duty of journalism with this story is the pursuit of truth. Wherever it leads, even if it gets uncomfortable and challenges your worldview, there is so much more to this story than has been reported. Much of it's off-the-record information, which makes the job difficult. But the knowledge that you uncover off-the-record can and probably should alter the tenor of your coverage, particularly if you're straying into opinion pieces. Let me say this, too. Journalists who haven't done a lick of reporting on this story have no business offering such strong black-and-white takes. If you haven't done the work, you don't know enough to deserve a strong opinion. I get that some outlets columnists will probably rely on their beat reporters who have done work. That's that's okay, but I, I, again, still not complete. Aggregators are even worse. I'm seeing all these columns from people who are li literally just citing the other stories, haven't made a single call themselves. So they're repeating misinformation that's contained in the initial reported stories, information that impacts everyone's perspective. Look, the general public can get away with that, right? Black and white, uninformed takes. It happens all the time. It happens on Twitter. But it's unquestionably irresponsible for reporters to follow suit. I can tell you with certainty, with certainty, that the major outlets that reported on this story, the outlet whose, outlets whose stories are you know, being used for many of these takes, missed a lot of important information despite having teams of reporters assigned to it. The additional information would offer more nuance and more context. Again, not on the incident that sparked this, that's clear, but in what came afterward. It's not enough to take a source's word for what happened in a story. As Kevin just alluded to, you need to make a lot of calls. You need to get people in front of you. You need to ask the questions yourself and you need to start digging. It's irresponsible to do otherwise. Every source, literally every source that you talk to has an agenda and a bias. So start with that important grain of salt when reporting a story. 
Don't let the emotions of a story or the depths of horror you uncover impact your pursuit of the truth. There are public records. Again, there are more sources that can provide context. I don't know if the full story of this sordid affair will ever come out, but I can tell you again with certainty that the full story has not yet been unearthed. Full kudos to any team of journalists in Boston or elsewhere who are willing to keep digging. It's the job, no matter how uncomfortable it gets. Well said, Craig. And Craig has done reporting on the story when um, the Coyotes first drafted Mitchell Miller a few years ago. So that's, I guess, that's that on that. I don't, I don't know how to really transition well. It's hard, out it's of hard this. to get out of that one. It is. It breath. is. But first of all, it, Greg, yeah. Greg, get off yeah. his soapbox and, and take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, take um, a deep so, breath. And uh, I'll say, yeah, this, well, I'm, I'm happy to hand it off to someone else to, to be digging into the story because. There's so many ugly sides to it. There's so many bad actors. It's it's just a mess. And yep. to Craig's point, I don't think Leah and I are commenting on the story because you know what? We don't know anything. Yeah. So we're we're just gonna let Craig, who knows way more about it than we do, <laughs> speak for the show, and then and, we'll move on. Yep. And we will move on to exciting things coming up with uh, our friends at Four Peaks who are actually going to be hosting watch parties for the U.S. and Mexico World Cup matches. Is, is it just like, is the World Cup always this time of year? I feel like it's usually in the summer. Am I wrong? Yeah, this is unusual to have it. Yeah. Christmas but it's time. kind of fun. Why not? Yeah, sure. um, so, so the A Street Pub, Four Peaks, hosting watch parties. You can enjoy beer specials, giveaways, guest appearances, and more. You can check the link in our show notes to register for the event for free. You must be 21 or older to drink and enjoy responsibly. And as we move into a more positive section of this part of the show, we're going to look at some good things happening around the league. I had a great day on the DraftKings Sportsbook app yesterday. I won, I think I won like $24, which for me, great day. If you want to win some money on DraftKings, you can too. And right now, new customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200. If your team wins, you can also boost your winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code PHNX. That's code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, I uh, sorted everything into sections. So we're going to go into the things around the league that are good, positive, and exciting section to uh, as a palate cleanser here. And we'll start with the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs crisis is over, right? <laughs> they, won, they won three games in a row. Yeah. Crises averted, and they get, and they beat some good teams. I mean, you you look at, at Philadelphia, a team that started off hot this season, and then they go into to, to Boston, who is arguably the best team in the National Hockey League, and they beat Boston in Boston, and they follow that up with a back to back win against Carolina in Carolina. So, oh, actually, that wasn't in Boston. I apologize. That that was in Toronto. But um, they lost but an- yet another goalie. Um, but, I don't so- know, Craig. Did you get the call yet? Is Craig oh, to be the backup? The, the blue and white. Yeah, never know. I'm like option. I'm like option fifty-seven thousand. So no. <laughs> yeah. The Coyotes what, propose Karel Vimelka for Austin Matthews. <laughs> there you go. Just kidding. Um, yeah, Ilya Samsonov placed on injured reserve, and uh, it, he's going to ex- 
he's expected to miss more than a week, according to Sheldon Keefe. So the, the goalie situation in Toronto continues to be a fascinating story to follow. Does it not highlight just how bad Toronto Maple Leafs fans are, though? They start 4-4-2, and two, and it's a crisis. It's a crisis. Meanwhile, the, the Coyotes were like, hey, this isn't so bad. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, but they're going to have to overcome this goaltending, right, Craig? Like, this is something they've dealt with for years. And every summer it goes, oh, hey, Toronto's got the goaltending figured out. This time they got the answer and bringing in Matt Murray. Well, come on. Like, Matt Murray's been hurt every year since he's been in Pittsburgh. Like, uncle. So you look at that and go, okay, that's the answer. Well, no, it wasn't the answer, clearly. And Samsonov, so now you put those eggs in that basket. Before that, it was the Jack Campbell basket. Before that, it was the the Anderson basket. Like, goaltending has been an issue here for a very long time, and the goaltender in Toronto takes the blame pretty much regardless of what the ever the deficiencies are in with the team. It falls on the goaltender. This is going to be no exception here because now they're on number four. Like, Wall is hurt, too. So now you're on Shalgren, who's a guy that couldn't get a sniff in Arizona. I feel like their goaltending options have gotten progressively worse, too. I mean, I, I know cap issues have been a problem for this franchise, but Freddie Anderson, I like Freddie Anderson. They loved Freddie Anderson. Then you go to Jack Campbell, who looked like he had some promise. I know there's some people that questioned him, but now you're you're on this. You're, you're going the wrong way with your goaltending choices here, and if, if you hope to get to the promised land. I don't get it. it it's been poorly managed. Yep. So fascinating. And speaking of interesting goalie situations, the Vegas Golden Knights, who we thought before the season with Robin Lehner out, they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, Logan Thompson. Could he be that guy? Aiden Hill, former Coyote, now part of that team. And the Golden Knights have won seven straight games and are leading the Pacific division by quite a margin. Seven players on the team have 10 or more points. I, I was going to say this was a surprise, maybe because they didn't make the playoffs last year, but the skill, I guess, never went away. The surprise maybe for me is just this level of production this early in the season with the goaltending to boot. Yeah, you know what? For this one, you, you, we will, I'll go right to the goaltending because I think this was the question mark on this team coming into the season when Laner went down. Uh, and gone for the year. You look at Logan Thompson. Can he do what he did last year? He had spurts where he was really good last year. Well, yeah, he, I think he's answered that bell. He's got a goals against average at 2.01. A save percentage is 9.34, which is fantastic. Six and two. But then you go to Aiden Hill and you go, well, it's got to be a big drop off there. No, he's 2.17 goals against and a 9.25 save percentage. And oh, by the way, he's undefeated this year. So Aiden Hill's five and oh, and he's a guy that even when he was in Arizona, again, in a, in a team that couldn't put up those kind of numbers. Aiden Hill just won. He just won games. So their goaltending has been much better than what people expected coming into the season. And the other side of it, you look at Jack Eichel. What was Jack Eichel going to be like this year? A lot more on his shoulders in this role in Vegas. And he starts the season with 14 points in 13 games. And so far, everything's gone his way. So I think things are easier when you're winning and when everything is positive. And this is a locker room that when things are rolling, I think it's good because they've got a lot of high-end talent and they're just wait till they hit the bumps in the road. And, and that's when you find the true test of what a team is inside the locker room. And, and, and this team has not faced adversity yet. And they will because it's 82 games. And at some point in the season, they're going to have to hit that stretch. And then you'll see what kind of leaders are in that room and what the mix is like in that room. And if they can sustain that, this is a good team in the Western Conference. 
Yeah, and goaltending, more on goaltending. The stats you cited, obviously, are team stats. It highlights how they're defending as well, right, Petey? They're playing very good team defense. Um, Although, you know, having said that, Logan Thompson's been really good in particular, more so than Aiden Hill. He's been really good for them. So, I don't know. I You, you want to see it with a young guy like this sustain over a, a, a lengthy period of time. It's very early in the season. Like you said, there, there are going to be some bumps ahead. Yep. So we'll keep tabs on that. And then something we talked about the other night on our postgame show when the, after the Coyotes beat the Capitals, which still hasn't fully registered with me, um, Alex Ovechkin at his current page, Pace is going to pass Gordie Howe for second all-time in goals on January 3rd versus Buffalo or the 5th and Columbus. All things going well, but who knows? Maybe he's out a couple games here and there. The Capitals play the Coyotes January 19th. We're hoping. Oh my gosh, please. (laughs) How cool is that? Maybe he gets sick for a week. and (laughs) It's only two weeks, Leah. It's only two weeks later. It's It's not that long. Just maybe he goes on a little cold spell. I want it to happen, and then I want him to beat Wayne Gretzky's record at Mullet in two years. Like I need this. I need it to happen so badly. <laughs> I just, I, you know what? I, I hope, I hope he's close around then. And even everybody in the league starts getting a little nervous <laughs> if it doesn't happen by that first week of January and it's starting to get close. People are going to go out of their mind. <laughs> and just can you imagine Twitter's going to blow up again. Poverty franchise. Imagine the media credential request, right? If he's like oh right there. Like you had 85 well, for the opening game. What will it look like for that game if Ovi's going for that? Well, we've got ours already, right? Like we're we're locked in. So yeah, we're locked in. Craig we might not have seen right PD, now, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lee and I won't be able to see in the third row, fourth row, fifth row of standing room only, but we will be there. <laughs> I, I, honestly, <laughs> what a story that would be. And in all likelihood, he'll break it sometime in January and there's – who knows? Like Leah said, maybe there's injuries or illnesses. There's a myriad of reasons that he doesn't get, you know, cold the spell. Pace that he's at. No, yeah, it gets cold. He gets cold for a couple of weeks, and then there all of a sudden you're talking about mullet. I, the league must even be just if it doesn't happen, nuts. just the 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 stress that it could is everything yes, that I could ask exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> just the hope that it could happen is enough uh, for me. Yeah. Agreed. Love Let's it. go, Ovi. Oh man. Well, those that's all the exciting stuff um I, I put all the you know bottom of the standings negative stuff in, in our last section but before we get there something that is well we're on the positive note more furniture has unbelievable furniture online in their stores check it out i feel like as we approach the end of the year people start looking at the new year you kind of want to redo maybe your some rooms in your house if you got a new office um, spruce up your home or office during more furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com that's m-o-r furniture.com and you will receive a 100 gift card for every thousand dollars you spend right now at more so definitely check them out and it is monday today there's monday night football and it's a little bit more fun when you have some money on the line and you can do that with daily fantasy or the pick'em game on underdog fantasy if you haven't tried underdog already it's super fun not only can you play these games with football but hockey as well pd and i have done daily drafts we've also done the pick'em game all of us here in the office use it it's super fun so search in the app store or click on the link in our show notes sign up with the promo code phnx and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 that's underdog fantasy promo code phnx and get in on the action today all right let's look at the bottom of the standings which by the way 
as of the time we're talking, the Coyotes are in 26th place, not 31st, not 32nd, 26th. And below them are Vancouver, Anaheim, San Jose, Ottawa, St. Louis, and Columbus. And a couple of those were expected. A couple of those may be a little bit surprising. The most surprising one to me is St. Louis. And let's start with them. What is happening there? Because I had them in the playoffs at our preseason predictions. Yeah, I, I don't. First of all, I don't know. Like you, you look at their roster, and they've still got the the named players. You still got Tarasenko and Shannon Thomas and Krug and Kyrie. Like it's the same team. There's two interesting stats. They suck at scoring, <laughs> and they can't stop the puck. They suck. <laughs> no, they suck at they're they're dead last in goals for per game. Dead last. The St. Louis Blues are dead last in goals for per game. Like they're they don't have a Nick Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? And then you flip the puck on the other end. They're bottom five in goals against. Guess what? If you don't score and you let in more goals, you're going to lose a lot of hockey games. I, St. Louis to me, this is a team just removed not long from winning a Stanley Cup. I, I, they're going to have to write the ship quick. They talked about personality issues in the locker room. They've been talking about Tarasenko isn't the guy everybody thinks he is inside the locker room. He can be a problem. Um, if that's the case, they'll probably look to unload him. Jordan Cairo is a young player that was lighting it up last year on the offensive side of the puck. He's minus 15 and has three points. So I, I think that those things, they're going to have to, it's a chemistry issue to me looking at that locker room. They've got the talent. They've got good players. They're just going to have to find the right mix. And you're just going to have to find your way through it. We talked about um, chemistry and, and Vegas hasn't had any adversity yet. Well, guess what? St. Louis is having their adversity right now. They've shown before the year they won the cup. They were in last place in the Western Conference in January and won the cup. So it ain't over yet. Like We're, we're early into days here. And, and Jordan Bennington, you know, he's putting up 3.4 goals against. His save percentage is under 900. And throwing fists on the ice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, fair enough. And so you look for him to get better and you look for this team to get on track offensively. So I don't think, I still can't believe with the roster they're putting on the ice, that this is a team that's going to be at the bottom of the standings with the coyotes when all is said and done, but they are right now. Yeah. it's You mentioned the Jordan Cairo mine plus minus stat, and I'm not a huge plus minus fan. It's not a good stat by and large, but that's the worst mark in the league. Second worst, Ryan O'Reilly, who you think of as a perennial Selkie Trophy candidate. Who He's has a minus one point. 12. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. He has one and point through nine games. Toy Krug, minus 11. And, and by the way, O'Reilly will be a UFA after this season. So if this slide for St. Louis continues a little deeper into the season, my God, teams will be lining up to add him for a playoff push, change of scenery with all that he can bring to a team. It's just crazy. I'm with you, PD. I don't think St. Louis is going to stay here. They're just too talented for this to happen, but it is wild to see it. See a six-game losing streak, which is the first uh, the first time they've done that in nine seasons, and their next game is at Boston. Yeah, and then what happens now is that whatever happens to a team that is expected to be much better and they're losing, where do you start to look first? You're going to look behind the bench and you're going to talk about Craig Berube and, and Craig Berube won a Stanley cup with this team. So I I don't know. I I will say this about Craig Berube. He, he is a black and white guy. Like it is, this is the way to do it period. And I'm not saying he's a a tough coach, but it's, it's his way. Um, And I don't know. 
I, I'm sure it's going to start getting discussed soon. You're going to start talking about Craig Berube, and right now it's a lot of pressure on Bennington, but I think that's going to shift over, and you're going to start talking about coaches. And and I think that that's always the easy move to make is talk about coaches. They need to shuffle up the atmosphere in the locker room. This is one of the things back before cap era um, hockey is in the locker room. When you saw games like this and you saw a team with a stretch like this, you knew someone was going to get traded. And I think that was easier to do in the pre-cap era that you go in the late 90s, early 2000s. You go, oh, somebody's going to get traded here. Like, we better get a win here. Somebody's going to be out of this room because you just look for that mix in chemistry, something different in the room. And, and unfortunately, with the cap, it's hard to do that and make trades just to make trades where I think it was easier back then. So what do you do now to check the chemistry? You have to make some moves behind the bench. And if not soon... Uh, if they don't turn this around, I think you're going to start hearing rumblings of Craig Berube. Yep. It's very interesting to see what's happening there. But like you said, they went from last to first in 2019 and got it done. So I don't think it's over. But another team who is dead last, maybe another one that I didn't see as dead last. Some of the teams that we predicted to be in the mix for the bottom uh, aren't there at the moment. It's still early in the season, but the Columbus Blue Jackets also only have six points. They're tied right now with St. Louis, but they have, they've played more games. They have a worse record overall. Um, Lots of, I mean, crazy stats in Columbus. Craig, (laughs) you wrote them down. I'm going to give it to you to read some of these. Yeah. First of all, they have six points, but they're dead last in power play percentage at 6.1. Petey and I just did a a story on it. Couldn't be the Coyotes. On the other hand, Uh, 31st in goals against per game. So like Petey was saying, yeah, those are, those are not good mixes together. Johnny Goudreau comes in this season and raises expectations so much for the Blue Jackets. This was the kind of free agent signing that Columbus never gets. Nobody wants to play there. We've heard all that. Johnny Gaudreau, I don't know why, chooses Columbus as his destination. He's been okay, not a point-per-game player, not the player that he was when he was in Calgary. Columbus has been just god-awful, minus 25 goal differential, which is the worst in the league right now. The biggest surprise here for me is if Johnny Hockey doesn't go to Columbus, maybe we're not talking about Columbus. I still think they're bad and I still think they're losing, but everybody goes, Oh, they're, they're in a rebuild. Then the, the minute you sign Johnny hockey, you're going, Oh, well, we must be done with the rebuild. We just signed Johnny hockey. So I, I'm not sure. And, and we said this in the studio, when they signed Johnny Goudreau, you said, why now? Like, well, why now? Like, are they ready for him to join this roster? And apparently they are not, they don't have the surrounding cast around him. Line a, who they had hoped to, to, to catch up on his scoring from a year ago. He's only played in half the games and he only has, three points. So that's definitely an issue. They can't defend and their goaltending has been red rotten. I mean, both goaltenders have a save, save percentage well below nine and their goals against average, both well above four and a half. Well, you, How do you, you characterize their goaltending? What was the What's term that? you used? Would you, what, did, what was the term I, you used? What did I say? For, for their goaltending? I don't know. Rewind oh. it. I honestly don't know. What did I say? <laughs> I thought I heard red rum for a minute. Oh, red like rotten. The no, they're red rotten. Red <laughs> rotten. Yeah, red, so that's a red rum. Red rum. <laughs> no, they're red just rum. red rotten. Red so rotten. The, what was the other thing Petey's been saying that you have been quoting? Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. They've been red rotten. So <laughs> this is a team that's his own fashion line for PHNX, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you just stay the, tuned. The, you PD, never know the PD at times, PHNX. Love it. 
I like it. Oh, I, I just don't think this team's finding their way out of it. We talked about St. Louis and what they have on their roster and their ability to score goals. I think St. Louis is a better team than they're showing. I don't know if Columbus is. I just don't know if this team's going to going to get much better than what they're at. I Again, are they going to get a few points, and are they going to be able to pass the, the Arizona Coyotes? I think that they will. Um, but but this isn't a team. There, there's nowhere near the playoffs on this Columbus Blue Jacket team. And I, again, I just don't see where the Johnny Hockey signing fit into their future plans. And this is when we talk about a rebuild and the Arizona Coyotes and we say stick to the plan. That is not sticking to the plan. When you go and sign a big free agent that is supposed to help you win now. So and Bill Armstrong has done this from from the beginning. I'm sticking to my plan. And he has done that. And I think this is where Columbus kind of went off the rails a little bit. Yep, I agree with that. Um, and the team that I think is really going to be the team that's down at the bottom at the end, I mean, right now it's only early November. Some teams are going to rise. We saw it last year. You know, Buffalo kind of went on their run. The Islanders came out from the ashes. So the team, though, that I think is going to stick at the bottom is Anaheim. They've It's been rough for them. Drysdale's out four to six months. They have 4.62 goals against per game, which is, as Peter said, rotten. (laughs) Yeah, I think Anaheim's going to be in the mix for Bedard, honestly. I've never been a big believer in this team. I don't I don't like the roster. I I know there's a lot of skill there, but I don't believe that there is there's a lot of grit and a lot of other things on this roster. I'm not a, a big fan of the Anaheim Ducks. Well, and the biggest issue I have with this team right now with Anaheim. We talked about the goals against, and it seems to be the theme of all of the teams at the bottom. And and to Craig's point, this is a team stat. It's not an individual goalie stat. Their inability to, you know, to, to defend. But but John Gibson has not been the goalie he was three four years ago. When I I put him towards the top of the league um, in goaltending, he just played in a, in a market and a team that wasn't ever very good. And you said, but gosh, he's still a really elite goaltender. He's not showing that anymore. And I think he watches body language there. I think he knows that this team's not very good. And I think it's hard for him to keep going and keep going and trying to be the guy that saves this team. They're dynamic up front. They have a few players that can put up numbers and are lights out offensively. But I don't think the team defends well enough. And their goaltending hasn't been good enough. They're not strong enough. You're right, Leah. This is a team that's going to be towards the bottom when the season comes to an end. And along with the other team in the Pacific is the San Jose Sharks. I think those two teams are going to be destined to be towards the bottom. Yeah, San Jose, who Eric Carlson is like unreal leading that team in, in points, which is, you know, from a, a defenseman. But yeah, it's the, it's the battle for the bottom. And we're going to be keeping tabs on that way more often now as we get into the season. Another team that has plummeted from their hot start is the Ottawa Senators, who are officially for sale. So what do you say we get a movement going to move the Ottawa? They're already close to Quebec. Ottawa's just a stone's throw away. Just move them to Quebec. Yeah. Easy. Petey and I even know the route. We, we've we've driven it on, on a bus. And, you know, you and if not Quebec, Montreal, why not Houston? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Houston's <laughs> an option, too. I've, you know I've Houston told. wants an NHL team, Craig? Oh, I've been told that. that. Yeah, I've heard and that. Have you, <laughs> have you read Quebec City has an arena already for an NHL team? Yeah, what? they do. I've read that. Isn't it, is it strange that. that the NHL hasn't gone there because they have an arena already? And there's a team for sale. I mean, it sounds like the perfect. Other than an arena. That might lead a team, you know, lead a league to choose a, an expansion market or not. But anyway, the Ottawa centers, the conditions, part of the conditions of their sale is that they will remain in Ottawa. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's just 
funny how things get spun different. Look, I'm not I'm not saying the Coyotes have had have been a model franchise by any stretch. Obviously, there have been a lot of problems here, but it does get spun a bit different when it's north of the border. And and by the way, they've lost five games in a row. I said this at the start of the season. I don't believe in this team. I don't think they can defend. They got a lot of skill. Great. They're exciting to watch. Woohoo. This is this will be a lot of fun to watch them lose six, five games, but they're they've lost five in a row and they're in dead last in the Atlantic division. And this is what we say is the path for the Arizona Coyotes. At least I have said. I, I think this is where Arizona's in two years. I, I think this we talk about their ability for their young How about players. Detroit. Can we go on yep. the Detroit path instead? We might. We might be able to go on the Detroit path. That, that, but they're both teams. The difference, I think, in Detroit is you look at their sprinkled veteran players, and I think their veteran players, one, aren't as old as the veteran players. You're looking at, like, Claude Giroux is an older player, and Dylan Larkin's a younger player. So you look at the guy that's the key cog in the wheel right now. Is That's a, a piece of the puzzle that's a little different. But I think they both have young talent. And, and you look at Ottawa's, most of their talent is, is up front, and they've been... I tell you what, they, they can score. Like Craig said, they were 5 4, 4 3 in Tampa, 5 4 in, in Vegas. Like this team can score. And I think that's probably the direction Arizona will be headed two years from now. Um, still skewing up. And I think Ottawa's still skewing in, in a positive direction for their franchise. But I don't know what the sale is going to do and what it does internally. And, and that, that put things in disarray. Like, I know an owner doesn't seem to make that much of a difference in boots on the ground, but it does. It sets the culture of the team and how things are done and, and what the expectations are. And so, yeah, the, there will be some things going through that locker room that will be a little bit difficult over the next few months. And I, I still think it's a, it's a, it's a young up and coming hockey team, but again, this is not a playoff team. It's almost like stable ownership and arena location matter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> look at, that could look be... You pulling that one out the takeaway from all of this hmm. 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 um well one one more note it's not in the notes but i just now i'm looking at the nhl standings a couple of surprises for me the new jersey devils in third place in the league with 18 points only behind vegas and boston that one uh seattle in seventh place with 16 points Hello. And then um, Pittsburgh had a huge plummet to 25th. Only the Coyotes are within a point of Pittsburgh, which I don't think I'd be saying after watching that first game when the two played each other. So just a couple other kind of surprises for me at this point in the season right now. In this yeah, the, the Pittsburgh one to me is one that's going to be interesting because we look at their roster and it's, it's virtually the same core that they've had for well over a decade now. And you go, okay, this, this team should be on the precipice of either a, a playoff spot or, or maybe making their last run. And and I've said it before. I've said it before in the show, when you're winning, it's easier to keep winning when you're losing. It spins out of control and it's hard to write that ship because everything is more negative. Everybody's on edge and everybody's pissed off. And so when you're losing, it's easier to lose. And unfortunately for Pittsburgh right now, they had a big lead against Boston the other day. They just couldn't hang on. They were a five, two lead in the third and you couldn't hang on. So Pittsburgh's too good to let this go on for too much longer. They've got a good team with a good coach and they will write the ship and they'll, they'll start to put their wins in. Seattle's a team that I think that, that I'm not sure they're quite ready for the playoffs. They're having a good run now. I, I think this season will start to wear on them and travel and through the season and they'll start to fall. But I, I'm they're in not the right sure division for it though, eh? They're yeah, the right if, if they are going to make the playoffs, they're in the Pacific Division. And right now, the Pacific Division, uh, we didn't see Vegas pulling out this strong. And, and right now, the Pacific's up for grabs. 
for playoff spots. Yep. It's a fascinating landscape. Um, We've talked a lot about Boston that's at the top. And Boston will be visiting Arizona when the Coyotes come back from this behemoth road trip. Um, December 9th, the Boston Bruins will be in town. And then the Coyotes will be home for a little bit more. So if you want to buy tickets to any of those games, check out the Game Time app. It's the cheapest place to buy tickets, not just to sporting events, but concerts and shows as well. You can get Cardinals tickets, Suns tickets, and uh, you can save up to 60% when you buy them last minute. So when the Coyotes are back in town and you remember, oh, they're back because it seems like they're going to be gone forever, uh, check out the Game Time app. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our description below. And uh, PD has, is this PD's first byline on gophnext.com? I believe that it is. I've written some pieces with Craig in the past. Yes, in the past, but not on Go, past, not on PHX. Not on Go Pitching. Maybe I'll start writing. Maybe that's my new, no. <laughs> Hell no. You, no. You your hear, diagrams were great. Yeah, but you should hear, you didn't see the part in between the part where I wrote it and where Craig wrote back to me. Um, first, there were tons of spelling mistakes, which is one thing, but grammatical oh, errors. Come on, don't kill yourself. There were But grammatical errors, I... I, I I might have just thrown some shit in there just to, yeah, this would look good here. <laughs> this might look good. The here. graphics are unbelievable in this piece. And the, the piece we're talking about, of course, is a, a piece that we're promoting today on gophnx.com. Um, it's a it's a deeper look at the Coyotes' elite power play, which ranks number five in the NHL as we speak. Crazy as that sounds. PD and I got together, uh, talked to some sources, Andre Turigny, defenseman Shane Gostisbehere, J.J. Mosier, and forward Nick Ritchie. PD also created six, count them, six really cool graphics for the story. They're all in there. So we collaborated. It was a lot of fun. And as I noted uh, in my tweet today, we're rolling out some changes at PHNX soon. I, I can't tell you precisely, but there are going to be some changes, uh, sort of augmented content and, and more wide-ranging content for subscribers coming soon. This is an example of what you can find on the digital side. It was a lot of fun collaborating with PD again on this piece. Yeah, I think it was it was interesting, and we you know sometimes when we sit there and talk on the show on the post game show, hey, the power play was good. Uh, I think what Craig and I did is went out and found out why, like, yep. who and why, and what what's what's working right now. And so it was it's a lot kind of, fun. of it's kind of like PD's puck talk meets you know Craig's reporting. It was exactly. it's really yeah, it's really cool. So definitely check it out. It's up now on gophnext.com. Become a member to access that. Grab yourself a shirt from the PHNX locker while you're there get access to our members only discord and members also can get early access to our events which is super worth it i promise you so yeah lots of great stuff coming up soon like craig alluded to we're gonna be live tomorrow evening after the coyotes play at the buffalo sabers and now i don't know what to expect because the the punch card is is off so anything is up for grabs here any final notes before we head out today I'm done. You There's be. a lot of silence there. No, I'm just looking yeah. forward to sitting and watching the hockey game with um, Sean DePaz tomorrow. Yeah, Sean, uh, when I said that, Sean, I could like see him. He was waving his arm. And also when earlier when you mentioned Jack Eichel, he turned around. <laughs> no, this Buffalo Sabres team is not the, the Buffalo Sabres team we have seen over the last few years. This team is getting better. Uh, offensively gifted. <laughs> um, Tage Thompson is Tage against the machine. The kid can play. He's a big body guy, gets to the net. And I tell you what, he's one to watch tomorrow night when you when you see this game between the Coyotes and the Sabres. Keep your eye on Tage Thompson. Sean is going to chime in right now. 
I just got five letters for you. W-A-G-O-N. <laughs> Wagon. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. I'll be watching for Rennie Robert and uh, Joe Biden oh, and Departin. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that line. So you, yeah, I, they, uh, buddy Bob Salve in between the pipes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, that's way back. Nice. Oh yeah. my goodness. Uh, All right. Show again. No, it's it's going to be a good game tomorrow night, and, and we'll see which Coyote team shows up. We'll see if the team that defended better and maintained and managed the puck better um, against the like showed up against Washington or the team against Dallas that just that that didn't uh, show up to play. So we'll see. We'll find out tomorrow night. Absolutely. Well, thank you everybody again for listening. Thanks again to Kevin Paul Dupont from the Boston Globe for joining us today, and uh, thank you all for listening. If- if you haven't subscribed to this podcast already, please do so. Leave us a review, like, comment, share with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. You can follow Craig at Craig S. Morgan. Follow me at Leah Merrill. Follow PD at S. Peters Hockey. And follow PHNX Sports on all social platforms. You can think of lots of great content all the time. We'll be back live on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel tomorrow night. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Monday, everyone.